The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the first Wickham Wanderers Show of 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. A very happy New Year. Oh, if we didn't say that last week, because it was last year. Uh, but yes, if you missed last week's, we had a very showbiz uh, prize draw. Uh, do get your QBC uh, quarters ball draw uh, for next month. I wonder who will be doing it. I don't know. It could be anybody. Someone showbiz. Someone. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a letdown last week because <laughs> you doing it, but it could be anybody. Nobody else is available, clearly, between <laughs> Christmas and New Year. Uh, on the way, we'll chat to Phil in a few moments. Time. Luke's with us, uh, as you may have guessed. Uh, possible notice board section to come as well. Some yeah. interesting notice board notices. Uh, yes. Yeah, see. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, Phil will, will preview uh, the game which is coming up this Saturday. Uh, the trip to Burton Albion, hoping for back-to-back victories. Yes, the first win in 13 League One games came on New Year's Day. Uh, great way to kick off the new year. And, of course, with the announcement of uh, Richard Kone uh, being introduced to the fans uh, by Rob Inahat uh, on the uh, on the pitch uh, on that uh, day as well. So, all in all, going rather well so far. Unbeaten in 2024. That's, That's not bad, like. Yes keep that going if we, if at all possible uh, coming up a little later on we'll hear from the manager who spoke to us earlier on from the training ground uh, in uh, the uh, the press session as well uh, also coming up we'll catch up with the vice chairman of the Wickham Wanderers ex-players association JDT will uh, tell us about their plans for 2024 uh, what you can expect at Adams Park uh, from the ex-players and also uh, some of their uh, functions and events which are coming up in the next 12 months as well and possibly a bit of a taster of some of the ex-players that we'll be chatting to on this very programme as well the, the sound effects on the show are exemplary. No, no expense has been spent at all, as you can probably probably realise. Also, we'll catch up with Carl Simon, who's the Wickham Wanderers women manager. If you've been following uh, their progress, you'll know they've been on a bit of a, a pre-season, no, mid-season, that's better, uh, break, uh, which uh, the, their season resumes this coming Sunday away at Oxford City. Uh, they've had uh, a couple of Christmas parties, as it turns out. Um, and uh, they've been, uh, as I say, preparing for the second half of the campaign. There are a few games behind, uh, games in hand on some of the teams in the division as well because of the weather. Some of their games have been called off, so they've got some uh, catching up to do. So uh, well placed in the uh, the pursuit of, uh, hopefully, uh, promotion because um, if you've been following uh, on this show, there's been quite a, a season of transition last season and the rebuilding process is, is going very well, so uh, making great progress. But first, uh, let's hear from Phil. I uh, wish him a very happy new year and uh, bring us the latest on uh, that great way to kickstart 2024. Yeah, lovely to start with a win uh, and also lovely to get a win after um, waiting for, for 12 games without one. And I think the fan base and the players, the management, the staff, everybody was unified at our full-time whistle when it finally came on Monday to get the three points on the board. Um, a big milestone for the club and hopefully uh, a building block from which we can go on a, on a much better run. Because I know we've spoken before about the, the fans' reaction on social media and, and you've spoken very well about you know how they're perfectly entitled to express their opinion. But it, especially after the, the late Orient game, it, it seemed so kind of, you know, it just, it just didn't feel like you know, there, there was that sort of support there really. Um, I think it was, you know, the Friday night was interesting because it's a Friday night over Christmas it's a local game in London Um, it was great to see our fans before and during the game you know having probably enjoyed a light ale or two in the afternoon in the build-up to the game and 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 enjoying each other's company having great noise in the away end it sounded fantastic during the game and then it turned on the final whistle it was a tough game um, in terms of attacking chances for both sides Um, and it was a nil-nil draw in isolation, a nil-nil away from home in, in a busy, festive period. Clean sheet in a point. You take it, especially if you win your next home game. But obviously within the context of the run, um, then yeah. And I think a lot of the frustration from the fans came from, from seeing a defender come on at nil-nil uh, and Sam Vokes staying put on the bench. 
And then, of course, after the Bristol Rovers game, we learn that there were lots of red flags against him from the medical staff against Sam Vokes and, and Matt Bloomfield wanted to play the longer game and sort of get him fresh for Monday. And boy, did we see the results of that. So I think it just shows, you know, fans, of course, in the heat of the moment, frustration, fully entitled to do so. But stand back and taking the bigger picture a few days later, then, then it kind of made sense. Um, and Vokes, I thought, was excellent on Monday. And if that was the result of, of not playing on, on, the, on the Friday night, then I think it was probably worth it. And you'll see firsthand as well that the effort that the manager and the players are putting in as well. And you know, he spoke to you after the game at Leighton Orient, saying that he was going back to the training ground that night to, to prepare for the Bristol Rovers. Yeah, look, I don't think I've seen anybody work sort of harder than Matt Bloomfield in any walk of life, even before I worked in radio or even at a football club. In, in any form of anything I've worked at, in, in however long I've been working in various different jobs this guy really grafts you know and he, he really cares and he feels the pressure like anybody else and it is the most brittle of industries it's been lovely I think that Rob's been over um, and has been in- incredibly supportive you know obviously he feels the results like everybody else does you know and, and no no one feels them more keener than, than Matt Bloomfield to have Rob here and you know, as a, as a member of the support for the gaffer, I think has been excellent. And, you know, he spoke on, on Wanderers TV and Ringing the Blues this week about how that's been there throughout. He's not like the sort of chairman who's sort of an arm's length, sort of, you know, watching and thinking, well, OK, what do we do here? It's more of a case of, you know, they speak regularly. What can we all do to, to improve things and, and change things for the better? And I think it's that sort of support that a young manager like Matt Bloomfield will really benefit from. And, and hopefully Monday is, uh, is the start of that. It was a great chat, wasn't it, that, that you had with, with Robin? And it also, I think, really sort of allayed fans in, in their sort of fears, if that's the right, if not too strong, because he was saying, you know, he believes in the, in the process and what Matt's doing and, and you know, wants to stick, to stick to this path. Yeah, and, you know, with Rob, and I can say this is somebody who works for Rob as well, um, he's exactly like you see on the camera. You know, he's, you know, if he, he tells you what he thinks. Um, especially if, if something isn't to his liking. Um, but it isn't left at that. It's about, well, what about this? Or how about this? It's, it's constructive, um, which is fantastic. You know, as an employee, that's what you want. Um, and I guess that's his line of communication with the gaffer as well. Um, but he also has a sense of responsibility too, because these are the people that he employs. So like, he, doesn't, he wants them to do well too. And that's, you know, that's, that's part of the job, isn't it, I guess? And it, it's, a, it's a tough old business sometimes. And, you know, I think Matt, as Rob said, you know, having 11 or 12 players at any one point that are available to you is going to be hard, especially in your first full season as a manager. And, you know, these things come to test everybody. And we all hope that he's a much better and stronger manager uh, as every week goes on, as every manager in the Football League is. They're always learning. Um, You know, everybody is, whatever they do. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, with the turn of the year, with the win under our belt, we can start to string the results together. And he talked about staying on the path. Also, the road was, was mentioned as well, which, which fans will find interesting as well. Yeah, again, you know, the road is, is something that he's consistently be going on about, you know, the, the frustration with bureaucracy. And again, this will be, everybody will suffer this at any, at any point of their life, no matter what they do. But I guess that, that bureaucracy is there for a reason as well. And it's Rob and everyone else's job is working on that to find a way through. I think Rob certainly believes it's going to have a big impact on on people getting in and out of Adams Park and hopefully boosting the attendances. Um, and we all know that, that a successful winning team 
is the best way to do that as well. But if you can couple that with a road two, then it'd be interesting to see what happens. And something else which was really nice to, to kick off the, the new year was, was Richard Kone being presented as well. Yeah, I think Sam Grace has done an exceptional job at Wickham Wanderers. You've only got to look at the success of Anis Vermetti and it's great to see Anis now getting some minutes and some, some goals and some game involvement uh, with Bristol City because he's still an asset for Wickham Wanderers. Yes, we've put some money in the bank when we sold him, but he's also got a sell-on clause, I believe. So we want him to do well. We want him to then move up the food chain even higher, if possible. And he's only going to do that by playing. So it's great to see him. Ali Alhamidi, another player that Wickham Wanderers developed or, or helped out in his development curve. We have a stake in him. Uh, and he's doing fantastically well for AFC Wimbledon. Uh, Chris Farino, we all know about. Uh, Jasper Patterson's broken through this season. Um, there's been been other players as well that have made appearances. There's more players there that are excited about it that are coming through. And Richard Kone adds to that. And obviously, his story of of having to wait because of his situation with his paperwork. And you know, on pre-match drills tonight, which you can watch after listen to this show. There's a really lovely chat with Sam Grace and uh, the timeline of the Richard Kone transfer was a real opener for me, especially when I was chatting to Sam this morning. It's really nice, isn't it, to kind of get that kind of behind the scenes view as well, because, you know, fans just are excited for, for new incomings and I guess as well keen to know about you know, goings and some of the lone players too. You know, we, we know of one who's, who's going back. Yes. Yeah. Um, Kieran Brecken is, is on his way back to Man City and... And yeah, I think, you know, it was a lot of excitement around, especially, you know, a lad from Man City coming down to, to League One. You know, he's been a great lad to have around the place. I think he would have expected or hoped to have played more and that hasn't happened for him. But, you know, he's been a really good lad when we've spoken to him and, you know, he seems to have been a good soul around the training ground um, and we wish him all the very best. The club seems to have had such success with with loan players, and it's a real two-way thing, you know, that obviously they get, they get out of game time and, uh, and we get to benefit from having them as well. Yeah, and it's not just what you see on the pitch as well. Um, look, these players are in the Premier League academies. Um, it's a very different world to League One, even you know the established League One pros. And you know we have a dressing room that have had Premier League players in, Gareth McCleary, Sam Vokes. But it's a very different environment, you know, and it's a very different um, economy. Uh, it's a lot of difference for them to get used to, and it's what they've been sent out to to, um, to experience a lot of that. And so they'll go back. Um, hopefully it's better players but hopefully sort of more rounded individuals a bit more grown up first time away from home for example being aware of the the financial implications of, of a win bonus a goal bonus that that is sometimes on on players that that apply their their trades in the lower league on a consistent basis and what can we expect from Burton this weekend it's going to be a tough game uh, I mean I can you can clip that up and use it for every game this season I know but Burton it's always tough there they changed their manager in December um, and promoted their first team coach. He's had a bit of a bounce. He's, he's won two, drawn one and, and lost two in his five league games since he's took control, um, having been on a really bad run under Dino Mamria. Apart from losing 3-0 to Oxford, it's all been really tight games. 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, one draw. So it's quite binary and something that we say regularly again on, on Wanderers TV and Wickham Sound first goal is going to be hugely important because Burton are a team if they can get themselves in the lead can grind out a result and be really difficult to break down especially at home and their last two home games have been 1-0 wins so Wickham need to make sure that you know they need to be on their metal and, and not concede Burton don't score a lot of goals so they need to be switched on and make sure they don't give them anything on Saturday because if they do it will be a very tough afternoon do you think that was key on New Year's Day as well, the fact that, that, that Wickham being the team that scored first? 
Yeah, I think especially from the situation that we were in, we were in front of our home fans. Um, a lot of fans had travelled on the Friday night and, and not seen a lot of goal attempts. That first half, not only did we score, but we had huge amounts of uh, of efforts on goal in that first half. And I think the only disappointment at half time was the fact we were only one nil up. Um, and it was great to see, even with ten men, that we could get second and third. That was a real tonic. But yeah, it's it's about you know pushing pushing the play and exciting the fans. And, and they did that on Monday. Uh, it's going to be tough to do that on on Saturday because of how Burton set up and play. But that is what Wickham Wanderers need to get around on on Saturday, and they'll be working very hard to do so. It'd be really great to think that you know that game on, on New Year's Day will be the start of a of a, a winning or an unbeaten run. Look, football's all about runs and momentum. You know, momentum was going against us at the end of last year. It stops now, which is which is big. Um, and it wasn't just that win on Monday. I think you could probably factor in. The Port Vale game was a really good performance. They weren't clinical enough. They got punished. It was a draw, a point away from home against Leighton Orient. We've spoken about it was half, you know, defensively a step in the right direction. And then Monday, so yeah, this has been over a body of games. Hopefully, Burton on Saturday can be added to that and we can look at um, hopefully another three points. So I think there was a real feel, wasn't there, that on Monday there was a, a real a sort of a boost in, in, in performance and an improvement in, in attacking style of play as well. Yeah, it was a really entertaining game to watch. You know, 11 v 11, I thought Wickham were bossing it. And then obviously losing Josh Gowen to a red card, which we've all seen back and it's a red card. That's that's how it is. And we've now got no Josh for three league games. But then they weathered the storm that came after that. And then they found their footing a bit, changed the shape and, and were able to, to exploit the gaps and, and, and get number two and number three, which was brilliant. Brilliant to see, and the crowd really responded to that too. And you could almost feel the weight lifting off the shoulders. And great to see Freddie Potts back, of course, as well. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I thought he did really well on Friday. First game since the start of November. Um, played the whole game, which I don't think they were planning on, but it was just the way it fell. And again on on Monday, he played the majority of the game. Um, but you know, fantastic. He, he did some fantastic things in that first half. Uh, the assist for for Luke's goal as well in the second half was excellent and I think we've just been really seeing the player that we've missed um, he's picked up where he's left off when he got injured at, at Bradford City it does feel like the tide is turning hopefully <laughs> hopefully thank you very much for your time great chat to you always a pleasure Colin Phil Catchpile everyone well done Phil those applause are real as well they, were. that, they weren't sound effects no uh, Luke's with us for a brief notice board update uh, I would like to something that uh, you won't hear when we talk to the gaffer later on is uh, I think we should also not mention Freddie Potts anymore no because I, I feel like if we he was don't draw attention so to good don't draw attention on Monday it was Freddie um, who? For, exactly let's stop calling him Dan Potts they get confused with his brother um, but yeah he was so good and He's going to go places, but not yet, please. Thank you. Uh, no, the exciting news uh, being confirmed in the last two hours uh, that the uh, new player that was announced on Monday is officially ours. Uh, signed, sealed and delivered. He's ours, to quote Wickham Wanderers. Uh, Rich Kone is officially a chairboy. Hurrah! Great news. Hot great off, news. Warm off the press. And I've seen him play, and he's also excellent as well. Oh, great news. Yeah. A top review. <laughs> they wouldn't put that on the... He's great. <laughs> uh, more to come on the Wicked Wonder Show uh, shortly. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wonder Show, we'll hear from the managers of both Wickham Wanderers men and women. Although not in that order. Uh, we may have time for uh, further notice board notifications as well from Luke. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Excellent contribution. Uh, but first, if you're listening last week, uh, we had a compilation of uh, 
almost all, of uh, the fantastic uh, members of the Wickham Wanderers X-Players Association who we've spoken to uh, since the start of Season 4 of this show. Season 4. Thank you. Uh, and <laughs> it was really great to, uh, to hear some of the, the highlights right. of that. I'm very pleased to say uh, that uh, joining us is the Vice Chair of the Wickham Wanderers X-Players Association, John D. Taylor, who, apart from anything, uh, you might not know some behind-the-scenes news, is uh, instrumental in, in setting up these interviews. And uh, really great to, to chat to you. Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year to you, Colin, and to all your listeners. It really does feel like the, the, the X Players Association is going from strength to strength. Not least on the on the you know the showing at this year's uh, or last year's now uh, X Players Dinner. Yeah, we've uh, we've been very lucky. We're um, we built up a great following in the early years, dipped a little bit, and then uh, and of course members passed on. Uh, but we've uh, gone well over the hundred mark now. This is. This is what I will say. It's not just members. These are paid-up members. Now, getting footballers to actually pay for anything <laughs> is often quite difficult. We actually have 100, and I think it's 104, 105 paid-up members. They all paid their £20 a year uh, subscription to be a member of Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association. Now, uh, some clubs say, well, we, you know, we've got 300 members. Um, I, I had a conversation with a guy from Southend, uh, actually, only a few months ago. He said, yeah, we've got 300 members. Um, well, what do they do? What, well, they don't actually do anything, but we do get a couple coming to a game. And I said, oh, okay. Well, we do a golf tournament. We do a quiz. We do a, a, an annual dinner. Um, and there's a few other things that the boys do around the club on a regular basis as well. And he was astounded. Then I got a letter from the PFA saying, do Wickham Wanderers have an ex-players association? So I wrote back an A4 two-sided sheet, which explained everything that we did. And the PFA came back within hours saying, wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we we are in kind of a, a strong position, but as always, we could be stronger. So what would you say are some of the hopes for 2024? Well, let's just go back slightly in that um, the kind of people that you met at the dinner um, in November, which was a look back to the uh, 93 season, which got us into the Football League, um, three of them turned up almost unannounced, Steve Guppy, Matt Crossley and Keith Ryan um, for the game with Port Vale on two days before Christmas. That caused a real stir. The fans gave them a marvellous welcome, not just on the pitch, but when they came around to the boxes, when they went into the Legends Lounge. Uh, Steve Guppy gave a lovely interview uh, to Phil and um, I just thought then how much he developed in the 10 years since uh, we first had him on. Um, I can remember, and he could remember as well, that uh, we had a, a, a similar do at the um, annual dinner. And uh, we wanted to interview him and I introduced him and they yelled out from the back, he's gone out, he's feeling sick. And uh, 
But poor Steve was so nervous about doing an interview, and I said to him, how can you be nervous about doing an interview with me just in front of a few Wickham fans and your former colleagues? Ten years on, Steve Guppy was the consummate professional, and he told Phil some lovely stories about his time, not only at Wickham, but uh, since he's been at, in America, including one which I thought was really lovely, um, which is, Phil said, um, well, what, what's the setup there like? And he said, well, we've got Smudger Smith as the manager. He's my manager, and he does what all you Wickham fans will remember, which is moan all the time. And he said, but we've also got um, somebody who's probably better looking than your chairman, and certainly your owner. And uh, Phil said, well, who's that? And he said, oh, Reese Witherspoon. I don't think even... Rob Cooey could argue <laughs> with that. Um, but he, we then got on to the question of fireworks. And a lot of people have kind of criticized this. It's an American thing. You know, do we want fireworks? What happens if they lose? Um, well, of course, we know they didn't lose in that fantastic game this week. But not only that, the fireworks were magnificent. And um, in fact, the Wickham fans actually stayed back and enjoyed them. I must admit there weren't too many of the opposition uh, still left in the ground at that stage. Um, they'd had enough fireworks on the field, I think. But um, yeah, we—I mean, we we, we enjoy uh, welcoming back these players. And as I say, uh, Steve, uh, Matt Crossley, and Rhino were fantastic. And then this week. Um, Keith Scott uh, stepped into the breach, uh, came to the Legends Lounge. Again, another big name from Wickham's past. Um, and Keith and I have, have had our little words um, over the past few years, but he's rejoined the Ex-Players Association, uh, has uh, promised that uh, he'll give us all his support. And, and that, to me, is absolutely fantastic. Not only did, was Keith Scott there on uh, Saturday, we had a gentleman called Len Worley. Now, Len uh, has been a bit down in the dumps recently. I think um, you know, it's an age thing. He's been a bit unwell um, and all of that. And we persuaded him to come on Saturday, uh, uh, for the uh, last game. And um, uh, that was Monday, not Saturday. Getting mixed up here. And... Um, Anyway, I met him in the uh, visitors' boardroom and uh, had a chat with him and took him out. And he saw his picture in the little row, uh, corridor on the way to the director's room. And uh, he didn't realize that this showed all the Wickham internationals of the past. And we were just looking at that and, uh, and the door opened and in came Missy. And uh, I said to Missy Keurig, um, oh, this is uh, uh, Len Worley. She said, oh, I've heard of you. Um, show, I showed her the picture. Of course, she was very complimentary. Len, you've never changed a bit and all the rest of it. De dear Len was delighted. Two seconds later, the door opens again and in comes Rob. And I said to him, let me just introduce you, Rob, to um, somebody here who you may not have heard of. His name's Len Worley. Len Worley? 
Even I've heard of Len Worley. Len, you've got your picture up on the wall. I hope that impression was better than uh, <laughs> that one Alan Hutchinson did a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, and uh, honestly, the delight on Len's face. And then, of course, we went round to the boxes and it took us half an hour to get from the reception <clears throat> to up to the boxes because every three paces, somebody came up and said, did you used to be Len Worley? I said, no, no, it wasn't me, it was him. <laughs> what a great double act. Yeah, great double act, yeah. Uh, but uh, honestly, it was fantastic. The, the number of people that recognised Len and wanted to come up, shake his hand, have a picture taken with him, say how much they enjoyed. And remember, Len Worley first played for Wickham in 1955. I mean, that is just incredible, I, I think. He went up to the boxes, and, um, and then again, people there just wanted to say hello to him. And, and I think that, to me, is what the Ex-Players Association is about, reintroducing old stars, ex-stars, former players, uh, to the fans. It gets that contact going, and I think is wonderful for the club. It's certainly wonderful for the supporters, and it's certainly great, a great morale boost uh, for some of the old players who think nobody remembers them. Absolutely. I think a lot of fans as well perhaps might not realise you know, what, what great work the Ex-Player Association does around the ground as well, with, with displays and, and also helping out with tours as well. Yeah, we. Uh, I mean, I've got to praise uh, Vince Faulkner and uh, Keith Samuels, especially, and J uh, John Bignall, because they organise and do the tours around the stadium, which happen on, a, I think, on a Wednesday and a Saturday morning. They're here at half past ten on a Saturday morning, um, taking people around who paid for a tour. They can go into the dressing room, they go into the boardroom, uh, they go into the referee's room, uh, just so they can uh, leave a message. Um, they go uh, into the security area, um, and, and that's really interesting. They suddenly realise that, crikey, you're on candid camera. Everybody can be seen from one little room in, uh, in Adams Park. And the people have thoroughly enjoyed that. And our, our guys, they love going round and showing. And then the, often there were, people say, so did you actually play here? No, we actually played at the previous ground. Oh, what was that like? Oh, well, it got 11-foot slope, um, <laughs> but it used to get 12,000 people there. And they can't believe it. Um, and we, we say, I mean, it's the anniversary today of Wickham playing Middlesbrough, 1975, 49 years ago. 12,000 people at, uh, at Lokes Park to watch them draw nil-nil with Middlesbrough. I mean, uh People, supporters today, don't realise that, as I say, that they had crowds like that. And in, in, in many ways, it's so sad that, what do we have, 5,000 there on Monday, um, 12,000 there 49 years ago to watch um, amateurs play. Well, so-called amateurs anyway. Um, so, yeah, the, the the boys do a great job there. They're going to be involved if the Winter Warmers hub uh, resumes, uh, which is uh, fantastic. 
we've now got a close association with the Wickham Foundation, which was much needed because I felt uh, up until a, a year or so ago, they were like a, a, an outside group in the club. Now they're very focused. And of course, uh, uh, Mark is, uh, is very much responsible for that, Mark Gates School. Um, and we work very closely with him. So that, that, that's great. The other thing that we do, we, we're going to do, um, we were, or I was sent a parcel uh, just before Christmas, pre-Santa, um, and in it was a shirt belonging to Cliff Trot, which he wore in the 1957 Amateur Cup final. And with it was his runners-up medal. And that's been donated to the club via the Ex-Players Association. So we're going to make room for that in uh, in Montes. That's going to be next to uh, a, a medal that was won, a winner's medal, that one, uh, from 1931. And those kind of things just remind people, I think, of, you know, well, Wickham is not just about Matt Bloomfield. It's not about Gareth Ainsworth, not just about... It's not about Brian Lee. It goes back even further than than that, and um, and the number of players that have passed through the club is fantastic. We want to support the players now that uh, are playing, and I'll just give you another example. Uh, as you mentioned, Freddie Potts. I'm not allowed to mention him now because we don't no, want to no. give him too much publicity. But Freddie uh, did the interview as man of the match after the game. And uh, as he walked past, I introduced myself and uh, explained that I was so old I'd even seen his father play. And he said, what about my grandfather? My grandfather played for Arsenal Youths, you know. Um, but he, uh, I said to him, well, it's lovely meeting you, but I don't want to meet you again. And he said, oh, why is that? And I said, well... <laughs> I don't want you to become a member of the ex-players association. Um, and that's often the way I do greet what I would describe as star players. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Anis Mametti earlier on. Um, we want him now to come back as an ex-player um, when he's uh, done the rounds of some of the senior clubs. Uh, but we don't want him back, not until uh, Wickham have got a few more bob for him. No, absolutely. So how can we find out more about the, the ex-players and, and the great work that you do? Well, the, we, we've got the Facebook page, uh, which is um, our main point of contact, and the club website. Um, and we also send out about 350, 400 newsletters on a regular basis, uh, basically to people who have been associated with us, um, either coming to some of our events uh, I get their details and we send them off and they've got uh, a regular uh, um, resume, if you like, of what's going on. And that's how we had, and you had, Jeff Cooper on a few weeks ago from New Zealand uh, because I kept sending the uh, newsletter to him by email and uh, he responded to that. And I thought, oh, well, that's um, you know a, 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 another person we can... Uh, Purloin to uh, to join us and to add to the uh, the 125 members that we've interviewed, you know, on your show, 
um, since we got this cooperation going. So, you know, that's, uh, it's a, I think, an ever-growing story. And a really good one as well, and so positive. And as you say, you know, supporters are really keen to, to hear what former players are doing these days and, and to reminisce as well about the great times that they saw. Thank you so much, Lee, for, for your time. Great to chat to you. Nice to talk to you. Happy New Year. Uh, likewise, that's John D. Taylor, who is the uh, Vice Chair of Wickham Wanderers Ex-Player Association, speaking to us here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Welcome if you've just tuned in. You've missed quite a lot if you have. Uh, but there'll be a podcast version available. You might be listening to that now. Uh, possibly tomorrow? Probably tomorrow morning by about 11-ish, I would say. Oh, uh, thank you to JDT for going along with the not-mentioned Freddie Potts thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that really I'm sure. going to get him a disguise so like no one can realise it's him. JDT? Uh, no, Freddie. <laughs> if What's... JDT wants a disguise, I'll get him one as well. Can you, have you got access to the disguises? I can find some. <laughs> I'll make some. False nose and some glasses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, That's exactly what I was thinking of. Still to come on the Wicker Wanderer Show, we've got some uh, breaking news. Oh, breaking news. I know. Yep. Uh, and also, uh, we'll hear from manager Matt Bloomfield as well. As mentioned, though, it is the uh, the first Wicker Wanderer Show of 2024. And uh, if you've been listening over the past few weks, you'll know that uh, Wicker Wanderers women have been on a mid-season break. Uh, their manager, Carl Simon, has been away as well, but I'm very pleased to say he's back. And uh, we can wish him a very happy new year as well. Well, first, a happy new year to you, Royal Colin. Um, hope you enjoyed your break. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've really enjoyed it. Everyone's back fit, um, had a chance to recharge their batteries, so we're looking forward to the second half of the season. Has it been really pleasing overall for you as to how you know, the teams come together and you know, it really feels like you've built something with, with a great blend of, of experience and youth in the team? Yeah, I mean, that was always our objective. And I have to say that our under-18s uh, are doing really well, so, so, so was the under-23. So um, we've got a good pathway that we've created and something that we tried to instill from um, last season, really, and we've built on that going forward. So the senior team, the first team now, is in a really good shape. And like I said, we've got a lot of good players, a lot of good talent um, coming through as well. That's something that really stands out as well, speaking to the players, is that they feel you know, they can progress really well. And, you know, we've spoken to players who are you know, sort of 17 and getting a chance in the, in the first team, and, and also you know, they're made to feel so welcome and, and fit in so easily. I've always believed in, in promoting youth, and my philosophy has always been an, you know, uh, an open-door policy. And the opportunity is there for all young players to progress into the first team. And we've had a few from the under-18s and from the under-23s that have featured, quite a few have featured this this season and if you look at the first team we have at the moment and you look at people like uh, Maka, uh, Emily McCarthy and you look at people like Bill Molly Carter, they've, they've progressed and you've got Charlotte Hill as well they've all progressed into the, into the first team and they're you know, 18, 17 years of age so you know it's there for, for all people um, all players who, who, who want that opportunity, it's there for them and uh, as you say with um uh, senior players, a lot of them are, you know, some of them police officers, the paramedics, the teachers and so on and so forth, prison officers as well. And sometimes they're not available. So that opportunity is always there for younger players. But as long as they're fit and available, the, the chance will, will arise where they'll get, get a, a place in the squad. And it's not just the, the football side either. It really comes across that, you know, the older players are really there to look out for the, the youngsters or offer advice or, or really help in any other situations, you know, footballing or otherwise. Yeah, we've got an amazing scene in a leadership group um, headed by um, Bob Lynch. You know, we've spoken to him quite a few times. And, you know, they do look after the players and that's that's what we want. You know, it's a one-club mentality. Um, everyone is welcome. Everyone is looked after. So, yeah, that's really pleasing as well that we, we have that. But, we, you know, it took some work to create that environment and, and we do everything we can to protect it. 
And I think as well, without exception, you know, all the players that we've been fortunate enough to speak to on, on this show, you know, they all speak so well. They all seem so, you know, sort of focused and driven and have different goals, you know, individually and collectively and, and really obviously want the, the team as, as a whole to do well as well. Yeah, the, the club message is very clear. We know what our objectives are. The players know what the objectives are. And it's the same with how, how we train. And, and, and you know, we, we don't overload the players with, with information. You know, we give them very clear instructions on what we want them to do. And I think that helps them um, be able to go out and to perform and obviously speak to yourself and, and know what's required of them. And do you find as well, you mentioned the availability of, of the players, it, it's frustrating in a way because, you know, you can't always put out your, your strongest team, but or in a way, do you find that a challenge because, you know, you can introduce, as you touched on, you know, some of the younger members of the group? It, it is frustrating, obviously. Um, you know, we're not a fully professional, and that's just the way it is. But, you know, for me personally, um, you know, when a player's not available, I get a little bit of excitement because I get the opportunity to give, um, you know, a playing um, position to one of the under-23s or even one of the under-18s. And, you know, I signed off on all the players that come into the club and, you know, they want that opportunity. So when you're able to give them that opportunity, it's very pleasing. Um, it can be hard, you know, if, if everyone was available all the time to give them that chance. But, you know, naturally these opportunities occur. And, and when it happens, yeah, I'm a little disappointed, of course, because you want to have your, your starting players out there, as it were. But at the same time, yeah, there is some excitement that you get to see some of the exciting players that we have um, in under-23s and under-18s and give them that opportunity. That's really pleasing as well. So, uh, yeah, we welcome that. And great for you and, and the rest of your coaching team as well to really sort of notice the, the development of players. I know there, you know there are many players that you've, you've got in who you've kind of worked with before and I guess you know what, what they can do, but it must be great to, to see some of the others coming up as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of the players that came from, from Watford Ladies from Thebes and I've known some of them since they were 14 years of age. So, it's really good to see them developing and coming through. And, and again, with the under-18s, um, we've got a lot of really interesting players there. And like I always say to the players, the future's for them. The objective for the club is to move the women's section up the pyramid as, as far as we can go. And, you know, the fight for quality and, and the equity that we need is also there. You know, that's the that's fight for all, all um, people involved in women's football. And, and we know that we have to do well to, um, you know, get more sign off from the club and I understand that you know the, the club needs to know that we're doing the, the, the right things as well we always try and, and do our best on behalf of the club we know we represent with the Wanderers so you know that's that's kind of our main objective really and I know we've spoken to you before about the influence of you know the Lionesses and how well they've done and the, the popularity generally of women's football but it's been fascinating as well to to speak to different age ranges at the club as well to see you know kind of the internal sort of role models that, that players look up to in the club but also you know obviously externally in terms of you know young fans who really look up to you know any of the any of the players and, and whatever age group and, and what they're doing as well. Yeah, I mean it's very interesting. You know, we've got players from you know thirty six going right down to sixteen years of age and. It's very interesting to see with the younger players. You know, the, the landscape has changed. And for the younger players, as opposed to a lot of the older players, when they first started, they can see a professional women's game evolving. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they're mindful, they know that, you know, eventually it's, 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 it's going to be for them. You know, when, when, I'm, when I've gone, when the senior players have gone, it'll be the younger players that we have that will reap the rewards. And we all want to do our little part to put, put the women's section of the club on that footing for the benefit of others who follow after us. So what have you made of some of the teams that you've come up against this season and, and, and still in the remainder of the campaign as well, you know, compared to your own side? We've done quite well. Um, we've had a really good start to the season, actually, compared to, to last season, which was quite difficult for us. 
and you know we're sitting nicely in the table. Um, the teams we played against, um, you know, we've lost two um, away games in the league only, uh, and that was against um, Ascot and uh, Bournemouth, two very strong sides. But we're so confident. We've beaten them both before in the past, and and the rest of the teams in the league, it's, it's a quite a challenging league. A lot, everyone can beat everybody, um, so no one knows how this league is going to end up. There, there is no real whipping boys in this team or whipping girls, we say, in, in, in this in this league. So it's an interesting league, and it's one that we feel confident that we can compete in the season and do well. And are there particular things that you work on at this stage of the season compared to, say, earlier on? Well, you know, at the start of the season, obviously, we had a lot of new players come in, to new coaches. So I think in that first phase of the season, it was it was a lot of getting to know you sort of thing and, and letting the players understand you know, how we play, what, what we expect from them. And I think we've done a lot of good work throughout all the teams in, in the club and all the coaches to get to that stage now. And we're in a really good place um, where we can really push on. We know what we need to do. We know what areas we need to get better at. And we're just focusing on those things now, which is quite nice, um, having laid the foundations. And you've got Oxford City next, um, an away game, and obviously a team who are you know, higher up in the table. But it should be a great test, shouldn't it? Yeah, away to Oxford City. Uh, remember their game uh, away to them last season. We were having a really, really tough time, and we got a really good win down there, which, which, which we needed. And um, um, we're looking forward to that game. And thankfully, with all this rain, it's on a, a 3G pitch, so the game won't get called off. Uh, hence, why we had all these um, these uh, uh, games in hand. But um, yeah, looking forward to going down to Oxford City. Really good venue. Good, really good club. Um, always have good games against them. So yeah, we're looking forward to that. And I guess it's nice, isn't it? Because you know you've got those teams sort of in your sights, if you like, in the in the in the part of the table that you're, you're targeting. Yeah, yeah, everything everything's in front of us. As I said to the players, you know, um, it's all there for us, really. Uh, we can do whatever we like. So, you know, we we go out and we play well and we take it one game at a time, as the old manager says. But I think we're in a really good position to achieve whatever we want to achieve in the league in the league this season. Um, we had a really good um, league cup win most recently. So, yeah, it's really exciting um, next few months, for sure. And is it really pleasing for yourself? Because I know, you know, obviously, you had the sort of season of transition last season, but it feels like, you know, this is your team now and this is kind of what you've built and, and you're really taking it forward now. Yeah, absolutely. We went, went through that phase and it was really difficult last season. I won't, you know, I won't hold back on that. We came in and we brought a lot of players in and we had to do another overhaul within two or three months and, and really use a lot of under-18 players um, uh, to try and get us over, over the line sort of thing. But now we're a lot more settled. Um, you know, the players know what we expect from them. That you know, the club is moving in the right direction. You know, it's moving at the right pace for what we want to do. If we can get what we want earlier, we'll take it. But we're we're on the right path. Well, I wish you every success for the remainder of the season. Brilliant to speak to you, and uh, thank you so much, Steve, for your time. Thanks always, as Colin. Cheers, mate. Great chatting to uh, Carl Simon. Uh, I wish um, him and the chair girls all the best and we'll be hearing from more of them as the season progresses. It's a great point he makes, isn't it? That you, you, some of them are paramedics, some are police women, some are uh, teachers, some are other things. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, it's sort of like, uh, it's a lot what we hear from the ex-players when mm. before they went professional, how it was it was all like they were all doing different jobs at the same time. But yeah, as you said, good luck to the uh, the chair girls for the rest of their season. Mate, as everyone seems to be calling you this evening. Many of them have dogs as well, I've learned. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very popular. Maybe they should have like a, a day when they bring all the dogs to Adams Park, and they can like um, you would hate it. Um, <laughs> no, I'd have to say yeah, that one out. It'd be but... quite good because a lot of the players have dogs as well. Yeah, apparently one so. Of the players yeah. like Max Striek has major. 
Major dog. He's got a major dog. Oh, we're here all night. <clears throat> Literally. Yeah. I hope not. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, uh, let's move on to uh, the men's manager, uh, Matt Bloomfield, who, uh, of course, is also uh, one that we should wish a Happy New Year to. Happy New Year to, to you and everybody um, listening, mate. Um, yeah, we're really pleased with, obviously, the way the New Year started. I thought that the performance was fantastic. Um, I thought it was it was as good as I've seen in the time since I've been back. I thought the energy and the intensity the boys played at was very, very good. I um, was really pleased with with the performance and, and the result followed. Uh, obviously, with the signing of Richard Kona as well, a boy we've been trying to get in the building for a number of months now. Finally, to get that over the line, we're, we're obviously really pleased with that as well. Is that something that you felt has been coming for a while? You've sort of seen that build into that, that point, obviously not just the signing because you probably knew that was coming, but, but the, the result and the performance as well. Yeah, yeah, I have. I have, absolutely. I think we've been that dominant in enough games to have a have a win. I th- I'm you know, obviously slightly disappointed and frustrated that it was clouded slightly by the, the couple of late goals. Um, but the way we played, the way we pressed, the energy and the performance, the atmosphere inside the ground was one of the most pleasing things for me. I felt like the, you know, the lights were on, the, the, the terrace was in full voice, the ground felt electric. I loved feeding off that emotion from the fans and I think the players did too. So, um, yeah, it was a real good feeling for me. I think it's been coming. I really do. If you look back at a couple of recent home games, Shrewsbury had one shot on target. Port Vale had two shots on target. We didn't win other games. So it's nice for the results to go in our favour that we believe we've, we've deserved. And does it feel like you've really got positives, that, as you say, that you've taken from, from those recent run of games and, and that you can really take into the new year as well? Yeah, definitely. I think that you know the, the, the Port Vale game, for instance, you know, I thought we were very, very good. We didn't make enough of our chances. And then we were really, really sloppy to give a goal away. Um, didn't defend the back post properly at all um, and come away with a draw. The Shrewsbury game, you know, the midfielder is a great strike. Hits off his wrong foot from 20 yards out. Um, and we missed, you know, enough chances. It just feels like it's been coming. I'm just, I'm so pleased for the players because I know that how much they care. I know how much they're putting into this season. Um, and I've really felt for them recently because... You know, they haven't been getting the points and the results that their performances suggest they should be getting. So for them and, and our supporters who have been, you know, following us up and down the country and um, spending all their money to support the boys, um, it was obviously a pleasing day. And it felt extra special in a way for both yourself and the team because, you know, I guess, you know, fans can be very critical, but they don't actually get to see, you know, what goes on kind of behind the scenes and the work that goes into to putting those performances onto the pitch. They just see, you know, on a, on a match day itself. Yeah, I think for me, yeah. Monday was probably particularly fulfilling um, because we had a tough night at Orient on, on Friday night. Um, I had to make a couple of decisions with the team to protect players ready in readiness for Monday because they couldn't do all four games. Um, Voxy being the main one. After the game Friday night, I drove back to the training ground to watch the game back and start watching Bristol Rovers. Um, slept here, got up, cracked on with work Saturday with the players back in the building. We worked hard all weekend. So to, to have that backed up with a result, is, is fulfilling because I believe in hard work. I believe in being the best you can possibly be. I, I understand that criticism is going to come our way when the results aren't as they can be, but I felt like that was possibly over the top on Friday because a point away from home in a clean sheet, I thought was was a good result, especially when, you know, in such a busy run of games with players coming back from injury and having to protect a couple. I actually felt like it was a, a good result. We should have beaten Port Vale. We should have seen that game out for three points. We hit the post and missed a penalty, um, although we were very average at Exeter. That could have been a point. We could have got eight from our four games and we could have had a, an incredible Christmas. So to leave it to the last one of the run of four and to be able to come out with the result that we believed was coming 
for me was was very fulfilling. It's just given me more desire and hunger. I want more days like that. I want more wins. I want more goals at home. I want more days to enjoy because there's been a lot to endure recently and, and I want more to enjoy. Because do you think it's the fact that perhaps you know fans' expectations are just perhaps a, a bit too high, and, and perhaps it's, you know obviously you can't win every game, and, and it's not possible to to get the result that you want from each match, and you know football's not really like that. No, I'd never say that the fans' expectations are too high. My expectations of myself and my team are extremely high. I think that a lot has been made recently of the results, and obviously you know we we are disappointed that it took so long to get that next win. But if you look at each game in isolation, I think there's probably more better performances than the negative we know we haven't scored enough goals we know you know I think that's a given we've been working hard on those but we've got fully fit Sam Vokes who against Port Vale I thought was fantastic and on Monday I thought he was he was incredible you know we've missed him for too much of the season for my liking because I think we're a, a very good team when we've got Vokes in it so I hope we can keep him fit I hope he can play like he did on Monday because I thought he was he was top draw, and if if we can keep Boxy fit and firing, then we know that we're going to be a threat for any team, when, especially at home. Like I say, with the atmosphere, like it was on Monday. And going into this game against Burton, the, the news today that that you'll be getting a, a touchline ban, uh, especially for for one card, a yellow card in particular that that obviously the, that you refute. I go beyond refute. If I'm honest, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say, but I go beyond refute. Um, two of them out of the three. If I'm if I'm honest, one was. One was justified on the opening day of the season for my frustrations and not getting a penalty. The other two were extremely disappointing, to say the least. So, yeah, obviously I need to learn from that. I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to clap my hands together and put my hands together because it can be perceived in a way um, that is bizarre. So, look, um, yeah, really disappointing because unfortunately what it means is that I'm taken away from the one area I love the most, the technical care on a Saturday afternoon. Um, so... Um, I spoke to the PGMOL. They told me to ring the FA. I speak to the FA. They tell me to ring the PGMOL. Doesn't look like there's a huge amount of support to, for me to actually talk talk to anybody and, and try and figure out what it is. Uh, the second booking was against Shrewsbury when there was, I believe, six different substitution breaks. We were told they were going to be um, actual time this season. We then had four added minutes, which, to be fair to Shrewsbury, one with one nil winning away from home. I'd also take my time and all the rest of it like they did early in the season we were seeing eight nine ten twelve minutes for that we had four and i i sort of said four and um, when i asked him for official he said four and i said four and he booked me for that so i'm not allowed to say a number loudly and i'm not allowed to clap my hands together very disappointing it seems strange, doesn't it? Because I guess obviously with any sort of new rules and there's been a number, you know, this season, there's a sort of betting in period as you touched on with the, the added on time but you think there'd be some sort of leniency in that regard as well? Yeah, they've taken the toleration lower and they've taken the discipline also lower. So there's less tolerance on the sideline and they've brought the bookings for managers to get a ban from four to three. I've just figured out this week. I didn't even know what it was before and I've just found out. And and that's some of the conduct I see. Um, we played a game recently where a manager held onto a ball to stop the ball coming back into play. I've been told that should have been a sending off offence. It wasn't. They had a laugh and a joke with the referee and allowed the play to go on. Uh, I didn't see Joshy's incident on Saturday. It was on the blind side of me when, you know, the I just saw him hit the ball first. So I kind of put my hands together in astonishment when the red card came out. So I just hadn't seen the incident properly because it was on the blind side and I get booked for it. I just, yeah, it's, it's bizarre, mate. And, and the disappointing thing is I love my job. I love being out there on a Saturday with, a, with the boys. The referee agrees that it might have been the wrong thing to do. The people at the FA agree with me that it was wrong off the video footage. 
The PGMO agree that it's the wrong thing to do. Everyone agrees that it's wrong, but no one's willing to help. And just going into this this Burton game, has, has there been a real lift among the, the the squad? You know, after that Bristol Rovers game and, and that win, is that really? Sort of, does it feel like a real kind of springboard going into the into the new year? Yeah, I think the boys have been in great spirit this morning. They've trained extremely well. As I said to you before, mate, I think that um, it's just strengthened my resolve, my hunger and desire to to bring good results because it's a lot more enjoyable when you do that. Um, so the boys are in good spirits, mate. Um, we're ready for another tough game at Burton on Saturday afternoon. We have to replicate the energy and intensity that we had on Monday. We have to replicate the quality of our play. We have to replicate so much of that in a totally different game, in different surroundings, on a different pitch against different oppositions. So we have to be ready for the we have to be ready for the battle that's to come. We have to be ready for the challenges that are in front of us on Saturday afternoon. And we have to try and replicate that level of performance. If we do that, then we have a chance of having another um, another good day. And just finally, I'm sure you get asked a lot more about you know transfers in, in, in this month. But what will be your message to supporters? You know, going into this this kind of run of games that we've got coming up. Yeah, um, the message is to stick with the players. They're giving you everything they they possibly can. They're um, a real honest group. We've got some incredible people in that change room, and the lads are giving everything they've got. There's going to be incomings and outgoings in January. I'm I'm fairly sure of that. I don't know exactly how many how much number. We've been working hard behind the scenes, and conversations have been have been going on. Um, so yeah, there might be a couple in, a couple out. I'm not too sure on the exact number what will, what will happen, but there might be a, a slight freshening. Um, but we hope to come out the window at the end of January in a, in a better shape than what we went into it. And if you do that with every transfer window, then hopefully you can, you can move, keep moving forward. An exciting time uh, for the club, of course, with the January transfer window open. We'll keep you up to date with any ins and outs. Speaking of which, we have some breaking news. <laughs> uh, we can confirm. I say we can confirm. Uh, the club have confirmed uh, that and we can confirm. We can, well, we can confirm that the club have also confirmed. It's <laughs> uh, very confusing. Uh, that Kean Brecken has returned to Manchester City at the end of his loan spell with Cherboys, uh, the club, and we th- uh, wish him good luck. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one out, one uh, back in. Uh, Damani Mella is back from his loan spell from Sutton. Good to see him back. Uh, which when you we saw were, him today, didn't you? Oh uh, yeah, I was like, we went in to have lunch. I was like, Damani's here, and then saw the tweet. I was like, that's why. Um, and so, uh, so this is sort of like um, I don't know what how you describe this, but if you ever are looking for someone to uh, decorate your Christmas tree. Don't ask Jack Grimmer. Uh, if you've seen the video of the Christmas tree going up at the training ground, it looked lovely. It was very nice. Um, Tom Holder, club secretary, also helped. Um, however, me and Phil uh, dismantled it uh, this afternoon. What an absolute mess. Oh. We had to sort of take the tree apart to take the lights out. It was very, very confusing. Controversial. Yeah, so maybe just ask Rona Grimmer to, to do it <laughs> instead of Jack. He'll, he'll be doing the summarising or probably playing as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he'll just, be, stuff he'll just be commentating on the tree going up or something. <laughs> our first tree news on the show as well it is yeah good evening to the grimmers <laughs> that sounds like a new, a new it does sound film. like a podcast doesn't it <laughs> evening with the grimmers yeah. nice I like it or a film perhaps yeah possibly that would work uh, just a reminder if you're not going to Burton you can hear the whole match live from 3 here on Wickham Sound and on Wanderers TV build up starts at 2 it does and if you're not going to Tuesday's game against West Ham in the Bristol Street Motors Trophy build up is from 6 with Ringing the, uh, Ringing the Blues and live commentary from 7 o'clock early kickoff. don't forget it is it's very confusing and uh, Freddie Potts won't be playing. No, don't mention Freddie. No, of course. Supposed to mention His me. brother and dad will be there. Though, so. <laughs> Other members of the Potts family yeah, are exactly. available. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your week. And uh, hopefully we can get back-to-back victories uh, starting on Saturday at Burton Albion. More next week. Thank you very much. Come on, you blues. Mate.